Welcome to episode 21 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I'm your host and current world champion, <laughs> Kofi. And I'm also here with my co-host, Matt Mueller. Kofi Mania has begun. I'm Kofi so Mania has officially begun. So Welcome excited. to the new day of Kofi Mania. I'm so proud. I love, that we, have, I love <laughs> that we have a winged eagle belt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And joining us today for this new era of Kofi Mania, we have the queen of anime herself. Megan Peters is back on the podcast. I'm back. Hello. And we just didn't bring her back for anything. Uh, of course, we brought her back to do some work because there's some big new anime things we're going to be talking about today, including the premiere of One Punch Man Season 2. We're also going to be talking about a new Walking Dead series that's coming to AMC. We're getting our first hints of what Phase 4 of the MCU will be all about after Avengers Endgame. And we are going to review DC's Shazam. Shazam! Shazam's in theaters now, so we're going to talk about it. Say the name. I already did. I'm not giving that guy any more royalties than he's already getting. <laughs> so, all right, let's kick it off. And uh, to kick it off today, we are going to hop over to the Marvel camp. And we're going to talk about... The first kind of hints of Phase 4, or lack thereof, that we're getting after the Avengers Endgame press junket, which was held this past weekend, and we had our own all-day cowboy, uh, Brandon B.D. Davis, out there to kind of help gather up all the scoops, but there were a lot of things that kind of came out of that junket. No Endgame spoilers, so don't hold your breath for any of those, because, yeah, this was like the most spoiler-free junket that we've probably ever been to. They didn't even get to see much of the movie, but... We did get to talk with people like Kevin Feige or the Russo brothers about what the future of the MCU is kind of looking like, and we learned a couple key things. First of all, we learned that we probably are not going to hear anything solid about Phase 4 until sometime after Spider-Man Far From Home comes out. So not even after Endgame, but after Endgame, a couple months, Spider-Man Far From Home comes out, which is the official beginning of Phase 4 of the MCU. And then it seems like Kevin Feige hinted that we will be getting some more official announcements about what these next slate of Marvel movies is all about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we already have some idea because, you know, we've heard, we obviously we do this for a job and we've heard a lot of things. And so far it's movies like, I mean, aside from all the sequels we expect, Black Panther 2, Doctor Strange 2, Thor 4, or whatever else they're going to be kind of doing, and Captain another Marvel Ant-Man two. movie. Yes. Captain Marvel 2, <laughs> yes. I'm not leaving her out. I'm Captain Marvel enjoyer, so I'm not leaving her out. But we're also going to get some new things. We're going to get a Black Widow movie. The Eternals has kicked up a lot of casting. Shang-Chi is still in development. Mm-hmm. So there's some interesting things coming on the horizon. And like I said, we're going to start to probably get more of the solid look at what Phase 4 is going to be when Spider-Man Far From Home is out. Now... I don't know if that means, like, you know, anything exciting for Comic-Con, per se. Because I forget, when does, mm. when does Far From Home hit? Is it before or after Comic-Con this year? Is it before? That's a good question. I'm pretty I don't, sure. Yeah, it's, pretty that's sure. one we should probably... It's really, Far From Home is July 5th, so, so it'll be before. before. So, okay, so like right this could before. be... So, after Far From Home means it could be right in time for Comic-Con and presentation. And we get that calendar thing where they show... Yeah, like, calendar, mm, like... The here's do, the do, first do, do, part. Do, 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 do. Uh, um, and I see some empty dots. And I said that he doesn't... He doesn't want to do that anymore. Like, I'd be shocked. Probably thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. But the time, we, I believe him. I mean, there could yeah. be, there's any number of ways Disney can now do this on their own. They don't need San no. Diego Comic Con, but mm-hmm. it, it would, the timing does at least sync up to 
they could give fans a little something at Comic-Con if they want to. If not, there's stuff like, what, D23? Is there one this year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's the D23 convention, yeah, and there's point, a whole bunch of stuff. To do it. Yeah, yeah, the MCU but. could be its own event. They don't yeah. need Comic-Con, but mm-hmm. it was a great tradition to kind of do that. It would be kind of nice to have that tradition continue into this new era of Phase 4, yeah. bring mm-hmm. out some new stars. Like Those they discussions did the in the office, like when they brought out Brie Larson and introduced her yeah. for the first time. Well, I'm talking about after cool Endgame, we can go, I mean, that, it could be bigger than that. I mean, yeah. the, if you remember, like one of my first big Comic-Cons was the 2010 one where they brought out the original cast yeah. of the Avengers and that tore down the house. So, mm-hmm. you know, there is a possibility that you could do something like that with a whole new slate of stars mm-hmm. or stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, at this point, the future's so uncertain about Disney and Marvel, their own thing, and Comic-Con, you know, we don't know. But it's mm-hmm. possible. But in that time frame, around Comic-Con, after Far From Home, you should start to keep your ears open for, you know, some big MCU Phase 4 announcements. And I'm sure we'll all have a better idea and speculation after we see Endgame and kind of know where, you know, it leaves things. So. set up that dark Don't get too excited solo. about yeah. the announcement. Don't yes. get too excited. Again, Jim McCarty always blowing my next segue. Like, <laughs> basically, don't, while we're saying all this, there is one thing that fans have been asking or getting rabid for is, you know, the Disney Fox deal is done. X-Men, Fantastic Four now belong back with Disney Marvel. Yeah. But Feige also killed our hopes in saying we're going to learn something about Phase 4, you know, after it, Far From Home. But we're not going to learn about that because and don't expect to see the X-Men. He alluded to that the fact that Marvel has had a five-year plan before the Disney deal was ever completed and they got those characters back for sure. Mm-hmm. And so that they're going to still play out whatever plan they have before they even get to something like the X-Men. I mean, he said he basically yeah, said it's totally a long wait. And, oh, man, here we go. Because now we're back to the same argument where we were fighting about just a couple weeks ago about... Yeah. Sounds you know, really familiar. It's yeah, almost like I've heard that want, before. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't change the fact that it could still be the teased in Endgame even if we don't see them could five be. years. It's called the Thanos plan. It's happened could before. Be. So, like... Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it seems like right now there's no immediate plans for the X-Men. I don't know how I feel about this because... I don't know how much I believe it either because plans always change at Marvel. Things are fluid. And I don't know. I think it depends, as always, on they never say it. They always say we have this plan. It's never going to change. But they do pay attention to how things hit or miss. or Yeah, I mean, you know, there was whatever. an Inhumans movie at yeah, one point. Yeah, exactly, And that right? never came uh, to fruition, right? I don't know if you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you I, like, I would what imagine you, what you the Fantastic about? Four have a better shot of being on Absolutely. screen before the X-Men do. Well, oh, way take, easier to implement. Yeah, yeah, way easier Absolutely. to implement and way easier to please people with. If mm-hmm. you just give them a halfway competent Fantastic Four movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The legacy so, of that. It'll be interesting to see because I think, yeah, there's a lot of exciting things on the slate, but like Phase 4, some of these movies, I mean, Eternals and Shang-Chi aren't as exciting as seeing like Thor and Captain America get their own no. thing. So, I mean, it depends on how the MCU kind of shakes out. If things start to slow down, then like don't be surprised with, you know, the first X-Man Wolverine, you know. Yeah, I mean, without the sequels right now, like without factoring in Doctor Strange 2 and like all these sequels that we know are going to happen, Black Panther, all that, Mm -hmm. just taking the original stuff that's been teased and talked about, Black Widow is the only thing that I remotely care about. I don't care about Eternals. No. Never cared about that. Mm -hmm. You know, Shang-Chi could be interesting, but Mm -hmm. we also saw Iron Fist, right? So we're kind of waiting to see if Marvel can do that right. This will be done by Marvel Studios. I know, but I'm Uh, saying like, I'm still... Yeah, but a Marvel thing about a, a... like a kind of not superpowered, semi superpowered kung fu master is something people have seen before. The concept. That's true. Mm-hmm. So, Eternals at least has going for it. 
I don't know what that movie's really going to be. Like, it's so yeah. different mm-hmm. and odd that, yeah, you can really do some cool stuff with it. But we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. But, all right. So we're going to hang in there. I mean, at this point, we just got to we gotta just make it down the finish line to Endgame. That's mm-hmm. what we're really trying to get to now. Uh, but, uh, yeah, like we said, after that, after Spider-Man, we'll be kind of open and have a bigger roadmap and start to hear more. And that's going to be pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. So, moving right along, we are getting a new Walking Dead series. This series just won't die. It, it keeps <laughs> on going. It's so, much like The Walking last, Dead. Yeah, <laughs> The Walking Dead. But this one, I actually have to say, I mean, I do like the expansion. I liked what Fear of Walking Dead has become. I even like the series now that Rick Grimes has left. We've been talking about this off and on. But this new series will be kind of about the first generation raised in the zombie apocalypse. It will center around two female leads and... This is interesting to me because this kind of is the potential that I always saw in, like, Carl's story. Like, mm-hmm. the best Carl stories were the ones where, like, I can't forget which season specifically because it's all mashed up in my head. But somewhere in the middle there where Carl started tar- turning into a psycho and mm-hmm. was just killing people yeah. and just didn't have that attachment because he had been raised in this world and had to, you know, cut his own babysitter sister out of his mom yeah. and do all that stuff. Like, mm-hmm. That whole concept of a kid who was raised in the zombie apocalypse and was kind of detached and a little psycho was very interesting. And it was probably Carl's best storylines. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. And I think a show that kind of takes that concept and really goes into it is a much different thing than The Walking Dead, which is all about people brooding and looking off about the life they lost and how the world's changed and what they're trying to hold on to from the old world and, you know, keep the fire lit of, you know, humanity and civilization and, Mm -hmm. you know, basic empathy and care for one another. Like, it's different when two kids are just raised in extreme violence and horror and death and loss and what kind of characters does that create? And how they function in this world to to be able to survive and grow. Obviously, these kids have skills. They have survival skills. They have killing skills. Like, that could be really interesting to me. So I'm kind of hoping that this series will get into that and and actually provide a new dimension to the whole Walking Dead universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not going to lie. I was surprised to see, like, this Walking Dead core series has been really well-reviewed. Critics really like it, right? It's it's seen an uptick, not in viewers, but it's seen an uptick in reception, right? Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, they'll write that out a little bit. We still have the movies coming. Fear is is doing fine, mm-hmm. from what I understand. I've never been like a giant fear no. person. Mm-hmm. But this one, I was amazed to see them announce the third one. However, what I will say, this is probably has me the most intrigued I've been in a while, other yeah. than the Rick Grimes movie. I'm most excited for that because I want to see stuff about The Cure. Mm-hmm. But- Aside from that, yeah, that that holds the most uh, reservoir for character development. Really mm-hmm. seeing how they deal, like what do schools look like in that era? Do they do they even have that anymore? Like how do they? How, how did these kids? Were they like Carl? Were they just raised? You know, depending on where we see them, like in what communities did they rise up in? And you also have an opportunity to really explore other pieces of the map. So I, I'm cool. I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah. So yeah. just uh, yeah, it's going to start production pretty soon, and it's mm-hmm. looking to air in 2020. So 10 episodes in the first season. So this isn't this isn't a long down the pike wait we're talking about. This yeah. is like next TV season. Yeah, that's the only thing that has me nervous because I really want this to, like explore the psychology of like what is that do i think it's the walking dead this last season has done a great job exploring kind of psychology especially if it's like female leads with michonne um i'm hoping that this one will have the time and take well, the time is necessary to funny you should mention that understand what's all happening in those 
those brains, especially depending on how old these female brains. leads are going to be. Um, brains, yes. <laughs> I see what you did there. You see what I did there? Yes. I did it. This is, so. That's actually funny that you say that because Sarah Burnett, the president of AMC, actually came out, mm-hmm. and we have an article on the site about it saying this is part of the network's overall mission to explore more complicated female leads. Mm. So this is one I of the intentions right of picking the these specific characters and to give more Michonnes and Carols and mm-hmm. these characters who arguably have been the real standouts of The Walking Dead mm. and dealing, especially somebody like Carol, if you look at that whole story about going from who she was in the beginning of the show with yeah. her husband to who she is now. And yeah, so I think, yeah, and having female leads, taking the child psychology and the whole notion of, you know, gender and female and what does it mean to grow up in this world and things mm-hmm. like that, like, yeah. I think that could be really interesting and handled really well, and mm-hmm. I'm kind of looking forward to that. So they are trying to uh, feed your demo, so hey, rejoice. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. Give me Riverdale give me, zombies. Give me. You can find oh, more Dave details Batista. about this on our Walking Dead page on comicbook.com. We're going to keep it moving now because... You know, we are called comic book, so what? talk Surprise. about some comic nice. books. Surprise. And as always, <laughs> Matt and Megan are two of our big uh, comic reviewer gurus for the site, and so they're going to take us through a little bit about what's going on this week, or at least Matt is. It's comic time. I need a little jingle or something. Yeah, you yeah. do need to come up with one. There's 21 yeah, like episodes in. You should have a jingle for your comic <laughs> stuff right now. Uh, uh, so yeah. uh, this week, there's a lot, actually a lot to like from uh, several different companies. I know last time, I think we went very heavy Marvel, uh, mm-hmm. which made sense. But uh, Detective Comics 1001 uh, mm-hmm. kicks off the, like, officially kicks off the Arkham Knight arc. Uh, so if you've played Batman Arkham Knight and you're kind of interested in to see what the comics version of this character, because it is different. Uh, and by the way, let me mark spoilers here. So if you don't want to know what happens in this week's comics, stop listening for a minute or just forward a little bit. Uh, because in this book, essentially, uh, Gotham gets a second son. Like, essentially, he creates a son over Gotham to take Batman out of the darkness to essentially bring light and make this guy fight in the light. Right. And he creates like an army of knights. Like, so there's more knights, but he is in fact the leader. It's, it's really interesting. Like there's a, there's a really good uh, premise for it going forward. We'll see if they deliver on that. But in this issue is very, like, it's very interesting. Who's the main writer on this book now? Uh, Tomasi. Hmm. Uh, you could so, just get a bunch of led lights for God. I mean, technically you could, <laughs> but it wouldn't be ones. nearly as dramatic. Oh, yeah. Um, so, second sons. <laughs> so that's... Do what you need to do. Uh, it's kind of cool. And, Wait, so I there mean, is like a physical like burning an, gas of fire. A, an is actual sun. Okay. Yeah, create a, essentially I like this comics. little mini star above Gotham. But it's in the middle of night when he's fighting, and all of a sudden it's day, and now it's forever day. And how does a, a hero who just... That's what he lives in. Deal I would with just that. imagine Batman's just like, that's weird, and continues to kick some guys. I mean, yeah, yeah, you, you'd I think. Feel like, I feel like it's not going to stop him. Uh, this was also dealt with in the signal as well. <laughs> but it's an interesting, it's an interesting premise. Uh, Captain Marvel number four, of course, we were mm. going to get away without me mentioning a Captain Marvel book. Uh, yeah. Thing is, though, if you are a fan, did you uh, have a chance to read it yet? Yes. Okay. So the Carol Rogue thing has been yes. uh, like a long time part yeah, of the character. That's old school. Right? That is yeah. old old school and they deal with it in a really cool way mm-hmm. uh they they kind of find kelly thompson kinds of kinds of finds a way to twist that mm-hmm. whole dynamic between them come up with something really cool mm-hmm. um i've been loving this book uh i, I imagine uh, have you been liking this so far 
A plus. All right, there. Yeah, that's so. always weird with them because she's always like, "Hey, remember when you like basically violated me, <laughs> yeah. stole my life, and left me for dead? You remember that?" And they yeah. tackled and then that I here. Went in your psyche and messed everything. Yeah, they <laughs> they tackled that here, and like her inner monologue is is kind of funny. Uh, also, we have Go Go Power Rangers number nineteen, mm -hmm. uh, which this is building towards the big uh, Forever Rangers like one shot, which is going to kind of tie in the uh, beginning of the Green Ranger saga. Rita's origin and like the Rangers swapping colors. Like there's kind of three and Alpha One, the original Alpha. So there's like four different kind of mini stories all building to this one thing. It's been really interesting to see like Rita essentially battle with <laughs> the ghost of her mother uh, wow. over being like taken as a kid. And there's no one thought there was this much character depth in Rita Repulsa, but there is, and it's been really entertaining. You might be Power Rangers' best sales. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right here. Uh, so we also have Prodigy number four, which uh, Mark Millar book, uh, Raphael Albuquerque's art. This book mm -hmm. surprises not out of me every week, or sorry, every month. I adore this book. It's essentially about uh, this guy named Edison Crane, uh, who can essentially, it's just like a really brilliant, it's kind of like a Tony Stark type of character, but mm -hmm. he can run, his brain can literally like multitask in, like he can be solving a world crisis in one compartment of his brain and also be like going to the deli and arguing with somebody over like what cut of meat is, is better. And then also be trying to solve an ancient riddle. Like he can multitask in his brain and mm. the way they visualize it in the book, you're seeing it all like happen in real time he's it's a very like indiana dramatic, jones like james bond reenactment of my biography exactly yes, yes. it did say That's kofi thanks to kofi in the that's right there mm. uh, so but it's a really cool kofi book it's a, it's a really interesting book i really dig it i this seems born for a tv series mm. at some point it is with netflix so i wouldn't be surprised to see this as a netflix series later on uh winter soldier number five which i know megan really likes yes winter soldier uh this uh kind of reimagination if you've not been reading it it's basically just catches up with uh bucky barnes you know it's got that beard looking real rugged again uh <laughs> he's kind of set up this whole you know service with sharon carter to basically help you know people who were once in his position get out of the current lives they're in and set them up kind of like uh witness protection program a la bucky um but basically he discovers that there's another little winter soldier running around he basically adopts this kid and it's them running around trying to figure out what does redemption mean um and it has been surprisingly good. I've always been kind of wary of this character, especially since his bump in the MCU has just kind of been super hyped, and I am guilty of that. <laughs> I am a big fan of Bucky Barnes. Uh, but this, this series has surprisingly held up very strongly for the, like the five issues we've gone through. So Okay, I might need to read Big recommendation. Actually, it gives you all the like really cute, like, oh, Bucky's a dad <laughs> kind of feelings. So if you've ever wondered what that looks like, in your fan fiction dreams. Marvel. <laughs> Here you go. Marvel oh. like the Bucky thirst isn't isn't extensive enough. Oh, you no. That dad thirst, the heartthrob thirst, the, dad the bad bod? boy thirst. That dad bod. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There you yeah. go. That's my contribution. Uh, and then uh, wrapping up real quick, just Amazing Spider-Man number 19 is the third part of Hunted, which we talked about previously yep. on the show. Uh, and then last but not least, if you are a fan of the Adventure Zone, uh, the McElroy brothers uh, have actually are writing their own little mini series as part of War of the Realms, uh, which is War of the Realms Journey into Mystery. So I know a lot of fans are essentially are really big fans of the podcast they do. Essentially, they do like a live D&D &D, uh, tabletop experience and they've had a ton of adventures and they're 
really popular. So if you kind of wanted to see them write their own comic, this is your chance. So it's kind of cool, kind of different. And they're bringing back Journey into Mystery? For this, this is kind of like a one couple issues thing. We'll see okay. if, I imagine if it sells well, maybe later on they would get like an ongoing or something, but this is kind of just a trial run. All right, and is that it? Anything That's else it, for no. comic stands? All right, well, it sounds like we got a lot to uh, pick up if you want, a lot of variety there. All right, everyone, stay tuned, because when we get back, we are going to review DC's Shazam movie, and we're going to talk about some big things happening in anime, starting with One Punch Man Season 2. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right, so out of everybody here, some of us did our homework and went out to see Shazam. Because, you know, we work at comicbook.com and we want to cover these things. I feel like you're shading someone. some of us someone. are Matt he's, Mueller. He's shading someone who watched a ton of wrestling this I'm weekend. Not, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you That's probably you were, you were busy. You, had, you, watched, <laughs> you watched like eight hours of WrestleMania. So. I've watched yeah. like 16 hours of and wrestling Kofi content. Thanks you. Kofi thanks you for that. So <laughs> I can't get too mad at you because Kofi does thank you for covering his When did this third story. person? <laughs> I'm talking about my hive mind brother, Kofi Kingston. <laughs> They're all so, connected. Yeah. Kofi are Mania. Legion, man. I'm so, buying you that shirt at some point. <laughs> Megan and I have both seen Shazam. Yes. And uh, yeah, we've written some articles about it on the site already. Yes. Um, I'll let you go first, Megan. What, do you, what, what was your impression of Shazam? Yeah, so going in... I was, I was excited. I've always been a huge fan of uh, Zachary Levi, and I thought that the trailers were always really funny. Um, wasn't as familiar with the Captain Marvel uh, comics or Shazam, I guess. Now we got some Captain Marvels running around everywhere. Um, as far as the movie goes, I really enjoyed it. Like, I thought it was really funny. I felt it, it was the most... I hate to like do the comparison, but like the Marvel formulaic for an origin story, you know, kind of bringing in, going through the past, um, had the humor down. I thought, no spoilers, because I don't do that. But in the scenes where uh, uh, Billy Batson is trying to figure out his powers with Freddie, had me like crying in tears, like laughing at some points. Um, I thought I did pretty good job though self-contained um in itself within the dc kind of extended universe um despite some hilarious cameos and easter eggs um did a really great job at providing you know like where shazam could go next those seven deadly sins were creepy as hell. Okay, that there's look, there's one scene again. No spoilers, but it you gets we can go. Yeah, we can okay, go. Okay, can I do spoilers? Fine, yeah, yeah, we yeah. can do spoilers. There's yeah. like with that scene where the seven deadly sins are like in the office, and they are like it becomes like a weird horror. I don't even know. Yeah. Like I was visibly cringing, and I like wanted to close my eyes. Nobody in my theater expected the brother to be thrown out of the building. No, and when that happened, everyone just went. Like the scene where all the bodies are being pressed against the frosted glass. Mm -hmm. I was like, there were these kids behind me and they were like legitimately freaked out. 
that's where Ugh. I come in with my kind of take on Shazam, which is I don't think I enjoyed it so much as a lot of other people in the office did. And I think that scene is exactly where it kind of hammers home for me what I didn't like. I found that the superhero stuff in Shazam was great. Mm -hmm. The kids, the humor. I loved seeing the uh, variety of adult actors that they have come into. If you don't know, at the end of the movie, basically, Shazam shares his power with his foster siblings. And they Mm -hmm. become these characters from the comics known as the Shazam family, Mm -hmm. where they all become versions and get a little bit of Shazam's powers. Except Mary. We didn't learn anything about Mary or her powers in the movie. They don't tell you what she can do specifically, uh, which is a weird oversight. Agility, isn't it? Or not agility. Um, endurance. Oh, my, maybe. My because, <laughs> because, she was a, because she was able to keep fighting that monster and not get tired. At least that's what I took from it. I don't know. Hey, maybe. Maybe that was it. That one was a little unclear. The, the rest are pretty clear. Like, mm-hmm. one kid has lightning, one kid has strength, one, the girl, Dudley, or uh, Dora, or whatever her name is, is mm-hmm. Megan Good is really fast. Mm-hmm. But it was cool seeing those cameos from, like, Adam Brody and Megan Good and DJ Corona and, like, all the other people mm-hmm. they brought in to play the adult version. Brody is, like, the perfect adult. Freddy. Fred, oh, yeah. yeah like, Jack was oh, yeah. Laser. So yeah. great. And, after, oh, yeah. and it was just great because everybody who's like knew about or did this, like, you know, I did this when Justice League Mortal started. I was covering stuff right when that was supposed to happen. He was supposed to be the Flash in that movie. And so this was mm-hmm. great to see him in a DC movie. And I loved all that stuff. But it was the villain stuff that really made it a mixed bag for me overall, yeah. I think. Because I didn't buy the Dr. Savannah story, and I feel so bad who, for Mark Strong, who I feel like is trying so hard in these DC movies, Green Lantern and this, but doesn't get a proper shake because it just felt out of place. Mm-hmm. Like, you see one scene at the beginning of the movie that didn't work, and the beginning of the movie does not work for me, when, like, Mm-mm. he's in the car with his sibling and their dad, and they're having an argument, and they clearly pick on him or think he's the weird kid in the family. But there's nothing that tells you why this guy later on in life goes back to his family's company. First of all, that car they're driving in the beginning doesn't tell you they're billionaires like Tony Stark. (laughs) It looks like a regular like 80s, 90s family trip and then like or 70s. And then like later on, he's coming back into their company with these demonic figures that he's dragging along. And he's throwing his brother right out the window, killing his dad, murdering everybody in the dad's company. And it's like, really? Those childhood arguments are that bad for you? Like, <laughs> really? So I didn't yeah. really buy his motivation. It's a very, I felt like the Savannah stuff was so rushed. It's just like this scene with him, then he kills everybody in his family and he, after he's been at his company and watched some lady disintegrate so she can open a door and it's all this horrific stuff. Well, and he's yeah. just like, yeah. Well, the nut, yeah, the, yeah. I think it's interesting that knowing, you know, in the interviews that have come out that like that role was supposed to have been Black Adams. Mm-hmm. And I think, Outside of like the very beginning intro part of it, everything else felt like it would have been a fine fit for Black Adam. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. If Black Adam had gone back to the Rock of Eternity for revenge, gotten the seven deadly sins, yeah. and was just all he would have had to do in a city is chase around looking for Shazam, right. like that makes sense. I think one thing I think maybe I got tripped up as a longtime DC Comics fan is Dr. Savannah has been such an interesting character over the years Mm -hmm. as a mad scientist type who invents a bunch of crazy stuff and like... He's never been a brute. Yeah. Yeah, The whole mad... But also he was more of a benefactor than a mad scientist, right? Like he was funding basically all of that research and not necessarily like doing it himself. Like there's... There only is that shot in his secret office Mm -hmm. that had all of the weird and crazy stuff on it. Do you get a glimpse that he's this super genius? But like... Outside of that, he's just a... Yeah, and the magical aspect of his story is a new addition to this character. It's like a retcon Mm -hmm. that came around, like, you know, with the New 52 Mm -hmm. reboot in 2011 and all that stuff. 
So, like, um, I thought there's a lot to that character that was left on the thing to make a generic villain who's just basically like a homing beacon for Shazam the whole time, just chasing him around the mm -hmm. city. Um, I do like where the movie leaves it because Dr. Savannah is there to become more of maybe a mastermind kind of villain in the mm -hmm. future of the franchise, so that's good. But that part kind of let me down, and I think that was a drag on the film for me. But otherwise, I really did enjoy, like I said, the, the kind of Superman meets big Mm -hmm. kind of story and coming of age and Billy Batson, his whole backstory with, you know, finding his mom and doing all that stuff. Like that scene with the mom is very powerful and so mm -hmm. Philadelphia, by the way, <laughs> like just the screwed up family stuff. Like I was like, yeah, that's Philly. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was for me kind of a mixed bag, but still overall, I got to say the DCEU seems to be heading in a much better direction mm -hmm. with Wonder they're, Woman. They're stringing some wins. You know, yeah. yeah. Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Shazam, for whatever flaws they may have, overall, they are very entertaining. They're bringing these heroes to life to a you know, whole new generation and a worldwide audience and mm -hmm. kind of doing a good job of it. So I'm not going to complain too much and I'm kind of now I mean I'm really excited for like night uh, Wonder Woman 1984 mm -hmm. we've done a whole thing on here about Joker and how I'm excited mm -hmm. for that so future's looking not too bad for DC what did you um, just curious uh, when you saw it what did you gauge the reactions to be and in, in the post credit scene because nobody understood oh, the post credit no one. scene oh, like, yeah. post -credit, oh. I still don't understand the post credit scene that was a Mr. Mind cut yeah yeah. yeah so like, I noticed it in the first scene and I was like that's familiar and then I noticed yeah. it again and then it took me a second as I was leaving my boyfriend was like what was was that was, <laughs> oh see what I didn't even put that together until you just said that I, yeah I totally forgot yeah there's a, there's there's a like, foreshadow of yeah him, you like, see it and I was on. like yeah. okay wait that's really tiny and I couldn't see it because it was dark and then when the, the glass was broken when Billy Batson came in I was like what and then right. at the end I was like oh maybe we should explain who is right. this person oh okay. this is true so the post credit scene is Savannah like writing all this mystical stuff he's going nuts in his own like little solitary cuckoos. confinement cell and he's visited by a caterpillar wearing like a voice, voice translation yeah, box. Yeah. Who is a DC character named, I forget, what is the name of the character? Uh, Mr. Mind. Mr. Mind. Mr. Mind. Yeah, okay. That's yeah. a nice yeah. golden age yeah. supervillain name. Put together. Mr. Mind. He put together the whole League of Villains and crazy Yeah, I, I, I'm not familiar with him. That was too deep okay. of a cut for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they yeah. well, me. But honestly, that's what I heard. Yeah. I heard it was literally like half oh. the people just were like, what the hell did I just watch? Like no one understood. No. To be yeah. fair. Almost no one knew who Thanos was. No, when yeah. Avengers came out, there when was, who's that Yeah, but I'm but willing to bet a lot more a people. A lot more knew people probably. Yeah, yeah. 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 Thanos, Thanos has a much mind. better team than Caterpillar, man. <laughs> yes. Basically, I just am now envisioning 10 years from now, we're going to have fan art of the giant Caterpillar versus Thanos. <laughs> from the Thanos copter alone, people know who Thanos is. <laughs> I mean. But that was all right. That was uh, so DC Shazam. Um, a lot of people enjoying it. Got a great you know, well. cinema score. It's doing well at mm -hmm. the box office. Uh, mixed bag for me. I'll do a quick one because because I also trudged out to see Pet Cemetery, which oh, looks no. oh. yeah looks better. Um, it looks like it could fit in a universe with it visually, the way it's shot and kind of put together. It's very kind of blockbuster horror look and feel, um, but it's still a weird story. I mean, that story is just so weird. It's kind of odd that they keep thinking it lends itself to film because if you don't know anything about Pet Cemetery, it's not just about a cat who comes back from the dead, which has been a subject I've had to talk about already in this office. But, you know, it, it's about a family who kind of buys this land, and then it's about grief and loss and death. 
and how you deal with that and confronting that or not. And there's all these flashbacks to traumatic experiences the various characters have had and fantasy things that they're imagining because the spiritual ground is haunting them. And so, like, it's still a weird movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this one updates and makes a big twist, which, you know, we're not going to do a big spoiler review, so I won't, I mean, you've seen it in the trailers, but uh, it makes a big switch from the book and from the original movie, which was very necessary and I think is the best thing they did because they put a lot of the horror in much more capable hands than the original story or movie did uh, mm-hmm. for the kind of climax, and it is a very dark climax, so there is payoff to it. Mm-hmm. But it's got a great cast, Jason Clark, um, the girl who plays the daughter, John Lithgow is. Judd Crandall, like all that stuff. All those people are really good as an ensemble. So if you're a horror fan, check it out. So uh, it's not a recommend? No, I mean, it's, it's a home viewing recommend, okay, I would say, gotcha. for me. Like, mm-hmm. definitely. That's when it comes out on, uh, yeah. you know, video Blu-ray, on yeah. demand, or Netflix or whatever, definitely sit down and check it out. It's not a must to go see it in the theater by any means. Well, yeah. poo. I've still never seen a horror film, so I guess I shouldn't I kinda start with that I kind of wanted to see one. that one. I kind of wanted to see it. I don't like horror films either, but I kind of want to see it. I don't know. I still haven't done it. I still refuse. (laughs) Finally, last but not least, the reason we brought our queen of anime here. Hello. Big things happen in anime right now. We did a spring anime preview a couple weeks ago, but now the time is here, and we're really kind of kicking things off this week because right before we came in here, One Punch Man Season 2 premiered, and this one has had a little bit of controversy surrounding it. Right, Megan? Yeah, as if my life could not get busier with Avengers Endgame coming out this month. Uh, One Punch Man Season 2 is finally here after years and years. Yeah, it's years been years. And years. Like what, how many, four? Uh, four years. It, was, it last came out, like it ended in like October 2015. So um, it's back, finally, April 2019. First episode is here. It's had some controversy. It uh, moved uh, production studios from Madhouse to JC Staff. It switched its entire creative team, director, character designer, everything. Everything changed. Animators and rumors of a stressed production schedule made things very um, upsetting for fans. And then the trailer came out. Four years and stressed? Yes. So this is not the place for it. But it actually, I'm not surprised it was stressed given the anime production committee system of Japan. uh, Which, if anyone wants to hit me up on Twitter about that, I will talk to you all day. Um, But basically, people were really concerned. Now the first episode's here. And I will say... Not, it's not bad. It's, that's not the reaction I wish I had to it. I wish I could come in here and be like, it's awesome. It was the best episode ever, especially because the first episode of season one is so cinematic and it's such a blockbuster and the tension and the animation is great. This one is very much a slow roll, trying to kind of get you familiarized with the characters and the humor once again. Um, does feel a little displaced. It could have done better at recapping what happened four years ago since it's been four years. Have I mentioned it's been four years? <laughs> uh, but it's it's good. I'm, I'm interested to see episode two. Episode one was very much kind of a soft roll. Hey, remember One Punch Man exists? Season two is where we're finally going to see the story come into play in the new villain whose name is Garo, who manga readers will be familiar with. So if you're not familiar, I mean, you really should check out One Punch Man. It's this kind of funny, action packed, almost satirical thing about a hero who's basically like the ultimate Superman, mm-hmm. but is very nonchalant in about it. He doesn't even recognize his own powers. He thinks like this insane regimen of push ups and sit ups has given him the power he has. Mm-hmm. But he basically is a guy 
who can settle any one of these fights in literally one punch mm -hmm. that just destroys like anybody or anything. Mm -hmm. And it's all about him kind of finding his way in this world where cities are broken up into like different sections. There's a whole hero class system that you have to kind of get registered and ranked in. And he's just kind of this kind of slightly aloof guy named Satima going on his way. And it's hilarious about how the first season alternates between this kind of very funny, cutesy animation of him and then mm -hmm. to these hyper beautiful action scenes and crazy. Mm -hmm. And a lot of episodes are built on villains like tearing up things, killing a bunch of people, really mm -hmm. harming stuff until he finally gets there. Mm -hmm. like however he's had to make his way across the city or whatever mm -hmm. and he's just sitting there like looking at it and he just like punches it like the person that's been causing all this chaos it's over the guy's like exploded or whatever mm -hmm. and he's just like bored basically with his so it's not the fight the fight is not why you go watch this series you watch it's like everything getting to the fight so you watch it for the humor which is everything yeah. before okay. the fight and then season one you really did watch the fight no there's the some epic fights sequences. okay yeah that's why fans are concerned that humor is still very much there the issue is the animation yeah. so this first episode i will just go ahead and say for people who are super excited we don't see saitama fight anyone so a lot of fans were a little upset because so there is no again, one punching in one punch it's man been two four years could we just not get a punch but we didn't get it we're hoping episode two. I remember one of the things we talked about. The one punch. Uh, previous during like the spring, like when we were talking about the spring anime. Mm -hmm. you, you guys had talked about where uh, people had seen some of the early like animation and mm -hmm. it wasn't up to snuff. Mm -mm. And has it like, is it better here? Is I mean, it, it's is it still not up to stuff, snuff, but they did make some edits to the trailer. Okay. Um, we're not sure if whether the trailer that was released just used kind of uncut footage or they went back after fans blew up social media um, in outrage. So it looks a little bit better, some of the stilted animation, but it's still not that fluid style that um, the original director brought in season yeah, one. Yeah, the director in Madhouse, I mean, what they did with season one was it's it's a gorgeous anime to look at, and mm -hmm. yeah, the visuals alone are just yes. really great, especially that first episode, which looks, because it's almost, it's made to look almost like a blockbuster Mm -hmm. superhero movie yeah, mm -hmm. and that's the whole kind of humor of it it's like the intensity and the mm -hmm. screaming except this guy who just like settles thing and like one punch is just like oh like it's over yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like, so yeah. sad but I mean that, that, that all said I do definitely recommend this first episode it's setting up one of my favorite arcs in the entire manga so far so I really do recommend checking out this episode getting into the series if you haven't seen it and then we're the series is really going to test its metal season i mean episodes two and three that are coming up so fingers crossed so from one controversial anime to over to another uh we got some casting Ooh. last week when i was here in the trenches <laughs> we were short staffed a lot of things were happening very fast but uh yeah. we got casting for netflix's live action cowboy bebop and if you don't yeah. understand the significance of cowboy bebop i mean this was like the anime, like I come from an old school, I'm old as dirt these days, and so like I was from a 90s era where we were hunting for Japanimation tapes and like oh, crazy video hurt. stores, like independently owned video stores was like the only place you could find these. Getting your hands on manga that was actually translated was like near impossible until mm -hmm. like so long after they had just made their way across to the mm -hmm. US, and so... Cowboy Bebop was the turning point, right? Like, that was the anime that pulled it after, like, you know, the manga movie company had released things like Ninja Scroll, Ghost in the Shell, the Street Fighter movie that really kind of caught the mainstream eye. But Cowboy Bebop was, like, true anime, 
when it came out that just caught on and became very mainstream and mm-hmm. went to Cartoon Network and Toonami and really like just changed the game along with some other kind of anime that came along at that time, Dragon mm-hmm. Ball Z, Cowboy Bebop, then Naruto started, like all of that time frame. But this was like the one. I mean, people like passed around the soundtrack. These were the first mm-hmm. clips you saw on things like YouTube or whatever preceded yeah. YouTube that I don't remember of like, you know, f- the whole falling out the window sequence and that whole thing. And so this was a big deal. So, of course, you got to imagine people are touchy about this Netflix live action kind of Hollywood produced version of Cowboy Bebop. Mm-hmm. But the casting news hasn't been bad so far. No, it hasn't been bad. So, I mean, just like Kofi said, said just what I would have done. I mean, Cowboy Bebop is kind of us, the, the standard of good anime. It is not only considered one of the best just anime out there, but just like one of the best, better TV shows that were released during that time period. And as far as space like Westerns go, it is just a step above. Um, as far as casting goes, Netflix, um, for better or worse, learned from Death Note, <laughs> which we didn't haven't discussed on this podcast because that happened a long time ago. Um, I didn't mind the Death Note casting, for I, the record. I didn't mind the... this guy. We won't get into the debate here because it'll go on for another 30 minutes. I like the movie, though. That's yeah, where I, I stand on this. I, I don't Death mind Note. the movie. That, that Death Note thing on Netflix got me reading yeah. Death Note. It, yeah. it, 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 it's good as a Hollywood movie, but nobody's going to try to argue that that's the Death Note anime or that's, manga yeah, that's, in any shape, way, or form. Like, yeah, yeah, but it's, it's not a bad movie. No. However, Cowboy Bebop, this is not something that you can really separate from the original text that Shinichiro Watanabe made. Yeah. Um, so in terms of casting, we have John Cho, who's playing Spike Spiegel. Yep. Um, Mustafa Shakir, who's from uh, Luke Cage. Yes. And he's currently, he was just on American Gods this past week, so he's doing mm-hmm. all right for himself. Yeah, bl- he's also on HBO's The Deuce, so he's really doing all right for yeah, himself. Yeah, I believe Alex Hassel is doing Vicious, which I was surprised to see them go ahead and out the casting for the main villain of the series. Um, so, A+. plus. Yeah. Always happy to see Vicious. And uh, Daniela Pineda, who will be bringing a Latin flavor to Faye Valentine, which had a lot of fans also kind of very excited. So mm-hmm. the important thing, I think, in this was that John Cho is kind of approved to be Spike, which was a, probably the hardest thing to nail. He's an Asian yeah. actor, so that's, you know, also getting the band of authenticity from fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... Uh, Mustafa Shakir, nobody has anything bad to say about him, so he's mm-hmm. going to be interesting as Jet Black. And we're still waiting on one big casting announcement, though. Still waiting on Ed. Megan, you have a theory about that. So Ed, for anyone who hasn't seen Cowboy Bebop, is Edward Wong. Um, however, Edward Wong is turns out to be a girl, but you know she kind of presents herself as a gender-fluid character in Cowboy Bebop. Super smart. Has a Welsh corgi named Ayn, who I am still obsessed with and want to... And she's like the hacker. Yeah, so she's the hacker. She's the tech person. We don't have a casting for that, but the reports have said, you know, that's ongoing um, because you can't have Cowboy Bebop without Ed. And so my theory is, given Netflix's relationship uh, with original series like Stranger Things, I would not be surprised if Millie Bobby Brown is being looked at for this title. Um, She definitely has the name recognition that Netflix is going to want for this title. Um, You know, she's proven that she has an interest in kind of global titles. I mean, she's in the Godzilla movies now, that King of the Monsters she'll be uh, walking up into. So I would not be surprised if they did that. But I know a lot of fans are really kind of pushing for, um, you know, someone who can present as kind of like non-binary or gender fluid for this character. And I think Millie Bobby Brown could also do that. I mean, oh, yeah. Eleven and Stranger Things. With Eleven, Shane very Ed, much so. You know, she can... 
she can rock that. And I would love to see that casting. So that's why I just wanted to make you throw that out there. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> so, very much. Netflix. I see that happen. Millie Bobby Brown. Uh, so me. to wrap it up, we got a couple things just to wrap it up. Do you want to yes. touch on? Uh, in terms of controversial anime, we also have Akira live action is supposed to be happening. It, the film itself has got a tax credit. Yeah, we touched on that just a couple, like an episode or so ago yes. about it. Yeah. Looking so, like it was moving forward. Yeah, directed Taiga Watiti, uh, producers including Leonardo DiCaprio. Now the issue that comes with the controversy is uh, a trade magazine, Production Weekly, published kind of a description, loose synopsis of what the movie's going to be about. Has some major <laughs> differences from the original series that Katsuhiro Otoma um, made. So uh, the biggest issue that I'll mention here is uh, we're not in Neo-Tokyo anymore, guys. Uh, we ain't in Kansas anymore. We are now in Neo-Manhattan. Oh, boy. So it's, it's moved us to America. It's one of those. It's already, oh, it's already concerning <laughs> fans. You got, but, but, but. We do still have Kaneda and Tetsuo. Um, they're still keeping those characters. They've replaced a couple of characters' names um, with more Americanized um, monikers. The only other issues we have is Kaneda is now a bartender. We don't know if he's still incorporated with his biker gang, but he better still have his sweet yeah, motorcycle. Yeah, I mean, if he's not part of a biker gang, what the hell are we talking yeah. about here? Also means he's aged up, and also now the two best friends are brothers. So if I don't see a guy get smashed off a bike with a pipe in a, like a <laughs> biker gang yeah. jousting thing like... Yeah. What am I watching? I fully expect it. So I'm interested to see how this goes. <laughs> um, this, it, I, I will put my faith in it because I have a lot of faith in Taiga Waititi and his vision. I am concerned about the Neo Manhattan setting. If I'd rather it just be kind of an ambiguous City. location yeah, than them. Also, Neo Manhattan. I'm sorry, just sounds stupid. Just do like Neo York or something. Yeah. Like that sounds Ooh, better. We got York. New York, <laughs> Neo York. Come on. <laughs> if you use this, credit me. But um, I like that a lot. Yeah. And then the last controversy is Dragon Ball because Dragon Ball is always controversial. And what's going on with that? Just real oh, quick. real quick. Well, basically, if you're wanting to watch Dragon Ball Z in any good way, it's really expensive. Funimation is releasing a collector's 30th edition Blu-ray, but people are very angry that it is the remastered version because everything fans want is just the original footage. Uh, so I believe if it's not, Funimation is about to reach the quota to print these things, but some diehard animation fans are just yeah. wishing they could get the I can't, original I can't footage. rewatch the new ones because, yeah, I grew up, like, I saw the Why? originals. Why? Can I... Because With the remastered's automatic, so it just kind of makes all the line art blurry and the yeah. colors are way overly saturated. Yeah. Um, it's just an automatic mm. process. And so they have done remasters. Toei Animation Japan has done them. They look gorgeous, but they're very expensive and it's really hard to get them. So Funimation so. and Toei have done their own remasters. Two separate. Two separate. Yeah, so this is the Funimation so is Dragon Ball Z okay. remaster. It's not what fans wanted from the 30th, basically. So. Yeah, it's not what they want. They got the ratio right, the right, fourth Wait three. another 20 years. At the 50th, you get, get what you want. Yeah, that's what we'll get. One's <laughs> on hollow print. Yeah, no, I don't know. Oh, boy. But that'll take us. That vision of the future will take us out today. Mm. This has been Comic Book Nation. If you want to subscribe and ride with us every week, we post new episodes on the site every Wednesday and every Friday. You can also subscribe to an RSS feed that's included in those episodes. Or you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, am I leaving it? And Spotify. Still not Amazon Music, Matt. We're working on it, though, buddy. We're working on it. need a counter. If you want to talk to us, you can always... Come to the hashtag Comic Book Nation where we will be watching and responding. Um, some people have been amazed that we actually respond pretty regularly to that. Mm -hmm. If you like the show, please leave us a review. 
we ran out of time today, but we are compiling all your good reviews, and we will be reading. I think we're going to just do a whole burn through where I just section off a whole bunch of time. Good we'll idea. go through like totally six to ten of these and just give you guys some mm-hmm. swag because if you leave us a good review and we read it on the show, we will send you some comic book swag. And producer Jim Fitzcardi. Boom, like this shirt right here. Woo, what? Yeah, get a shot of the shirt. Are we not going to go a shot over of it. Sell the merchandise. Woo, woo, woo. Yeah, and uh, Jim Fitzcardi has been an animal about getting on top and making sure that all that stuff gets out to, gets to you fans and, uh, yeah, that you get your swag. So keep those reviews coming because we are reading. We are going to get you some swag. So make sure you bring them here. If you want to talk to any of us individually, you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. Find me at Matt Mueller CB. And I am at Megan Peters CB. And that'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. Program note, on the next episode, I'm going to be taking a little vacation. So we're going to have a crew in Jim here. Jim gets to host. Ooh, Jim gets to boy. host. Just make sure there's no dead air. That's all I ask. <laughs> Call him out if there's any dead air. But we're going to do a WrestleMania look back and see what happened at WrestleMania and what's transpired since. Because that was a great episode and some big things happened that I think will be interesting to look back on because you guys made a lot of proclamations. So be sure to tune in for that. Yes, I did. I'll see you guys when I get back. This is Comic Book Nation. Thanks for riding. Peace.